Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ribbon on rib, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up facade, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Good morning, everybody. It's November 8th. Happy Monday, and welcome back to the Daily Blitz Football Podcast. Hope you had a wonderful and profitable weekend. That's usually the case when you hang with us. I'm your co-host in the pilot's chair. It's Big John, Mr. John Legeza, L-A-G-H-E-Z-Z-A on the Bluebird Twitter machine, or just type in NFL, moving averages, the Han Solo of this ship. Mr. Matt Williams not with us today, but I assure you, he is here in heart and mind. Follow him up at M-A. A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Want to say thank you to all the new listeners. I'm seeing those unique listen stats kind of pop, and I do appreciate it. If you're new to what we're doing here, just a couple weeks ago, we really started putting the daily back into the daily blitz. So on Monday, we're looking back at the weekend's action, going over the bets, and a quick preview of Monday Night Football. That's what we're doing today. So without any further ado, I guess let's dive right on in. Yesterday's action was crazy as always. What else is new in a league with the variants like the NFL? First game, Falcons go to New Orleans. I had the Falcons as a money line dog winner. If you're unfamiliar, you can follow those picks for free right now on Twitter. I put them out every single week. And of course, if you hang out with me, you know I'm fully transparent. Everything is time stamped. We have not had a single losing week. Yes, people, nine weeks to start the year. Nine weeks in the season every one winner. Generally, that's the case when you bet on underdogs. You have those plus odds kind of carry you across the finish line. I pick four for a reason. If you hit two, you end up in the black. Falcons were one of those four picks and they got it done. The Saints were really sluggish out of the gate. Simeon did get the start, so we expected the tremendous game from Kamara. He did have 13 carries for 50 yards and a score on the ground. Plus, he tacked on four grabs with seven targets for 54 yards, but those Saints really lack a big-time playmaker out there as far as pass catchers go. They made a run later on in the game, but they weren't able to get it done. Falcons starting to turn the corner. If they get Ridley back, they could be really dangerous on offense. Those who sold Matt Ryan short may want to rethink the priors. The old man getting it going. Next up, Broncos and Cowboys. R.I.P. to my survivor teams. Yikes. Cowboys get decimated by the Broncos. It was 19-0 going into the fourth quarter. Dallas could not get anything done. Prescott 19 for 39 through the air, only 232 yards, two TDs, and a score. Ezekiel Elliott goes down, and that was the end of my DFS run for the weekend. As good as I've been as far as picking opportunities, man, I just haven't been able to keep those players healthy. Yesterday, Elliott went down, and when you lose an RB1, you're going to have trouble making that cash line. Outside of that, the passing work, not what you expected. Lamb did have nine targets, but only two catches. Cooper had five targets, only two catches. It was pretty ugly for the boys. I still think they're pretty good. The big surprise, of course, the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater doing the effective thing. Only 19 completions, but 249 yards. Melvin Gordon blowing off the dust for 80 yards and a score. Javante Williams for 111 on the ground. Cowboys could not stop the Broncos in regards to the run game, which if you were following my work, we know the Broncos moved slow. They got a lot of first downs and we were under. That one did come through. Next up, Patriots beat 
down the Panthers. Patriots taking that step forward. Like we were saying, Mac Jones looking really good, though he only completed 12 passes of 18 for a buck 39. The Patriots didn't really need to do it. They ran the ball, gosh, had to be 35 times. Harris only had 30, but he's got that nose for the end zone. Ramondre Stevenson put in 62 yards on the ground. Even Brandon Bolden had 54 yards. Patriots also lacking that big time wide out, but if they get ahead, they stay ahead. Defense looked good, nothing new. Sam Donald looked terrible, nothing new. 16 for 33, a buck 72, and three picks. Christian McCaffrey was back. He had 19 touches, but 14 for 52 on the ground, four of five catches for 54 yards. So he looked pretty good. He looked pretty crisp. They did keep good to their word and not overuse him, but they were behind. Maybe didn't want to get him beat up in a loss. Next up, Vikings went to Baltimore, gave the Ravens a run for their money. I was actually kind of upset about this one. The Vikings were my fifth money line dog play. I did let them get edged out by the Houston Texans. Minnesota went up early. I was kicking myself. They ended up losing it to the Ravens. Man, is anyone better in football when they're down than Lamar Jackson? 27 completions for 266-3. and He did throw three picks, but he also had a buck 20 on the ground, looking at his favorite target through the air. Marquise Brown, 9 of 12 for 116. He was a player we had circled. I also like Bateman for the price. He went 5 for 52. 10.2 points. Got pretty close to that four times multiplier. Matt and I talk about outside of that. The passing touchdowns were wonky. They went to Ricard, Duvernay, and Freeman. Don't look for that to repeat in the future. Next up, a big loss for the big man. I really liked the Bengals coming off the loss to the Jets, hosting the Cleveland Browns. I didn't think it would be a blowout, but I didn't think it would also be as close as the two-point spread. If you're following my work as well, we're always doing the math on the against the spread cost versus the money line cost. This one I had as a money line play. I didn't even need a cover. Was kind of hoping for that one-point win. Fast forward, Browns decimated the Bengals. It was disgusting out there. 41-16, to and somehow I don't even think it was that close. Mayfield didn't really have to do much. 218 through the air with two touchdowns. He hooked up with a long one to Donovan Peoples-Jones. No one else did much of note through the air. Nick Chubb was the story. 14 carries for a buck, 37-2. and Bengals looked whack, man. Burrow threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. Mixon had two touchdowns on the ground. Big story. T. Higgins made the reappearance. Six grabs for 78. He's going to get in the end zone soon enough. And me, I've got to take another loss. I had posted the Jamar Chase receiving prop over 73 yards. Well, he got 13 targets. That should have done it. He only reeled in six for 49. Dropped a big touchdown that might have not only kind of swung the momentum in the game, but it would have fattened our pockets. You know I hate missing on those public plays, but 13 targets is what you're looking for in a receiving prop. Bills go into Jacksonville and sink the final nail in any survivor coffins I had. My friends and I split them up between Buffalo and Dallas, thinking what were the odds? They both lost, and well, that's what you got. Buffalo went into Jacksonville and lost to the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars. Now remember, people, I do watch every snap of every game. I haven't yet being it's Monday morning. I will. I don't know what happened. You know, sometimes these games are not as close as the scoreboard would have you think. Josh Allen threw the ball 47 times for 264, but no touchdowns and two picks. Beasley was the main target with eight grabs, but only 33 yards. They operated really close to the line of scrimmage. Couldn't get anything done with the conventional ground game. Singletary, six for 16. Moss, three for six. Allen tacked on 50 on the ground. Really just a total shock. Not like the Jaguars did much on offense either. Trevor Lawrence had 118 yards passing. Yuck. They had to rely on Carlos Hyde with James Robinson out. Dan Arnold reeled in four of seven for 60. Jamal Agnew, who people had circled, he busted out three of five 
drive for only 27 yards. And I can't wait to get back in the film room and watch this one and find out just what happened. My gut tells me I'll think the Bills were better than they played. And Jacksonville still kind of stinks. Next up, the money line dog loser we had yesterday. The only one because we did hit two of three. The Texans in Miami for the Dolphins. We bet on the Texans before Tua was named out. Tyrod was back and Tua was out. This one seems simple enough for me. Taylor, 24 of 43. Yuck, only 56% completed for 240 yards. They couldn't do anything on the ground. Miami was stout there. And they were inefficient to Brandon Cooks, who did get 13 looks, but reeled in only 6 of 56. Other side, Jacoby Brissett stepped in. He was okay. 26 of 43, which is ugly. 244 for 1 and 2, which really isn't so great. Gaskin got the majority of the work on the ground, but he was inefficient. You know, Waddle got peppered with targets, as always is the case with Brissett. 8 for 10, 83. The big play here was right before the half, backed up at their own end zone. Tyrod Taylor going out of bounds through a little flip pass right to the defender, standing in bounds. It was a turnover. It turned into a touchdown, and that was the difference. I was going to puke. Next up, let's get a little bit of good news. We had the Giants to beat the Raiders in New York, and that's exactly what happened. This one really was kind of ugly on both sides, but the Giants got it done. I've been preaching they're not as bad as people making them out to be. The pass game did look terrible, though. Jones went for 15 of 20, only 810 yards. One pick, he did fumble. Devontae Booker, who we circled for that workload, was good. Got stopped right before the bonus at 99 yards, but also tacked on three catches. He was pretty good. Engram had the big TD grab early. Derek Carr threw the ball a ton, which we knew would happen for 296 and one, but he did throw two picks. Josh Jacobs was back, held it down. Waller was the target hog. Seven for 11, 92. And we circled Hunter Renfro. He paid the bills. Seven of nine for 49 and one. I do think the Raiders will be back. They didn't look terrible. The Giants got out to a stronger start and then the defense just kind of held serve. Next up, man, oh man, I get a W for this one just because it happened. But the Chargers barely squeaked it out against the Eagles. I was kind of doing my rant and rave all week. I didn't think this game was as close as the line would have us think. It opened at two and a half. I said it should have been three and a half, four or five. It started moving in the other direction towards one and a half and then towards a pick'em. So I smashed that Charger money line and they gave me a sweat. Herbert was very efficient, like sick efficient. 32 of 38 for 356 and two. That's an 84% completion percentage, but they couldn't do it on the ground. Herbert ended up taking off himself five times. He peppered Allen like crazy, something we were talking about with the Eagles having that poor slot D. He reeled in 12 of 13. Wow, for 104. Mike Williams, who I thought might come back, not so much, reeled in two of five, but one of them was a long one. He did go for 58, and Eckler was pretty much a disappointment. 17 for 59 on the ground, only three targets for 23 yards. The other running back I paid up for, I paid the price for. Chargers get it done in Philadelphia. The Philly Eagles did look a little bit better than they had, but that pass game is seriously struggling. Hurts went 11 for 17, only a buck 62 and one. They did use the three-headed monster. As far as the running game goes, Jordan Howard revived from the dead. Cue up those Undertaker memes. 17 for 71 and one. Hurts took the ball 10 times for 62. Scott also had 10 carries for 40 yards. Devonta Smith resurged 5 of 6, 116, and he had the long score. I think it's time to get back behind Devonta Smith, though the Eagles making me nervous. Into the 4 o'clock games we go. Packers at the Chiefs seven and a half point spread. The Chiefs do not cover it. They should be ashamed. I always say when there's a first-time quarterback making a first-time start, the bottom is zero. That's basically what we saw. 
Packers did not do anything. Only 300 total yards in the game. And you're thinking, wow. However, but, 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 the Chiefs only managed 237. Mahomes, 20 of 37 for only 166 and 1. Darrell Williams, who I had circled, looked pretty good. 19 for 70. Also tacked on three receptions. Could not get it going. The Chiefs, that is, to Tariq Hill. He had 11 targets, only reeled in four for 37. What a disappointment. Kelsey made his presence known again. Finally, five of eight for 68 and one. Man, Chiefs making us worry. The Packer defense has been better of late, but they're far from a stalwart. And again, mentioned Jordan Love looked pretty poor out there. Doesn't mean his career is going to be garbage. Doesn't mean the Packers are going to be garbage, but it does make you realize why they needed Aaron Rodgers so, 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 so bad. Well, before we get out of here with all these surprises, let's tack on a couple more. Cardinals go to San Francisco and throttle the 49ers. I was wrong about this one, though I didn't touch it because I don't like the 49ers or their defense. Big surprise here. Colton McCoy, super effective. 22 of 26 for 249 and a score. Christian Kirk reeled in 6 of 6 for 91. Connor reeled in 5 of 5 for 77 and 1. Rondell Moore, 5 of 5 for 25. Look at the efficiency. This was the other nail. If my coffin needed a third, I like Chase Edmonds. I thought with the new QB, with a little time to prepare, they'd be using Edmonds to extend the run game and try and get some pressure focused away from the QB. He got hurt immediately, and then we got the Connor show. 21 for 96 and 2. I mentioned he went 5 for 5, 77 and 1 through the air. Connor has the career game with Edmonds out. Somebody you have to consider if he's going to be catching passes, and Edmonds is out going forward. 49ers didn't look terrible at the end of the game, but the beginning was just atrocious. They couldn't do anything on the ground. I thought they'd be able to run those Arizona run defensive stats. Not great. Mitchell led the way with eight attempts on the ground. No one else had more than one. They fell behind so fast. They abandoned the run outright. Brandon Ayuk is back, though, people. Six of eight, 89 and one. Kittle looked great in the first game back. Six of eight, 101 and one. Mitchell got the rest of his work through the air. Five of five for 43. Samuel got his nine targets for five, 63 yards. So I think the Niners will be back, but that one just kind of caught him by surprise. Maybe they didn't expect Colt McCoy and those boys in white and red to put up any points at all. They got caught kind of sleeping, didn't have the head on a swivel. Let's get into the last night, and how about one more surprise in the land of the underdogs? Tennessee Titans beat up on the LA Rams. I don't think anyone saw that coming, though. I did not take this one and the cover. I like underdogs to win or to get the points. I'm just not seeing the NFL as a cover league right now with the new rules for QBs, all the late substitutions, coaches not playing their starters at the end. Those are all just a recipe for backdoor covers back to the game. Ryan Tannehill was efficient when he needed to be, but he didn't really need to be that good. 19 of 27, 143 and 1 he did throw a pick. The ghost of Adrian Peterson got 10 carries for 21. McNichols really didn't do much. They peppered Brown. He didn't do much. Didn't need to because of the turnover. Stafford goes 31 of 48 for 294 and a score, but he threw two picks. Henderson couldn't get it going on the ground. 11 for 55. Sony Michelle kicking up three yards and a cloud of dust without the yardage. Three different players did get double digit targets. The Ram behind. We thought maybe we'd see a bunch of prolific scoring going on the end of the game. They did not get it going, but Higby, Woods, and Cups all had at least 10. They all had at least five catches. Woods and Cup each went over 95. None of them scored. Michelle had the receiving touchdown. How about that for some variance? This one, again, was ugly. I'm not sure Tennessee is as good as a team that you might think could beat the Rams for all those people out there 
box score watching. And of course, with the Rams losing, we're going to be looking to buy the dip. It's pretty much that simple. They're still a very complete team. And if you might be new to my work and my style of handicapping, I do not like primetime games. I'm not going to go any further into it other than there are too many eyeballs on that one game. It creates this subsequent overreaction to everything that happened. NFL is a game of peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows. Think about the sine wave I'm always talking about. When a team is down, it doesn't always mean they're going to continue to be down. We'll be looking at the prices and the spreads as always. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So there's our recap of week nine. It was exciting. It was up and down. Thank goodness I like underdogs. I had the right weekend to do just that. Let's take a quick look at Monday night football. It's the Bears going to Pittsburgh to face the black and yellow Steelers. Bears are seven point dogs. The total set at 39 and a half. Now you hear me talk about doing the math on the spread. Let's get into it. Again, I posted this chart on Twitter. You could find that at MLB moving AVG, or like I said, just type in NFL moving averages into the Bluebird Twitter machine. So the Bears are seven point dogs, but the money line is at 255. That means the book is offering you $36 a point to take the Bears. Let's fast forward to the end of the story. I took the Bears. The Bears are my fourth play for the money line dog win because of that excellent offer. And if you find yourself in a position where you get an excellent deal on the points, but are still reticent about the money line play, remember you're in charge of your own bankroll. You get to decide your own approach to risk management. You don't have to go all in on anything. You in fact don't have to bet anything at all. But here's a little lesson maybe, you know, on how to approach these things. And you could just hit them both. So you could take your risk, let's call it R. You can put 65% of it on the spread. You can put the other 35% of it on the money line or just play with the amounts is what I like to do to figure out. So if one of them hits, the entire thing is a profitable venture. And then of course, if you get the win, you get the nice hit or you could just get away from the spread, which is kind of expensive at 110 and just take a lower stake on the money line. So there were always different ways to approach it. The Bears are the team that I have winning it and let's get into just why. Yes, you see the offensive stats for the Bears on the season have been disgusting, specifically when looking at the past. However, people, they have a rookie quarterback. Growth is not linear, and I believe the play calling is being adjusted to the player. We finally saw him get to run with a little bit of space. The Bears finally decided to protect him for once. Fields went over 100 on the ground. So the Bears can be kind of versatile. We've seen them be pretty effective running the ball as of late as well. 30 attempts for 137 rush yards per game, but the running back yards per carry up over four and a quarter, really not terrible. The Bears do move at a really slow pace. The same for the Steelers, and that's the reason, aside from the kind of anemic offenses, why we see the 39.5. So Bears, yes, move really slow. They don't score a lot of points. 29.6 seconds per play, 28 yards per drive. Not really what you want to see, but they do post a three-minute and five-second time of possession per drive, something that also leans into the under. So I think you got to be careful with the Bears season stats. I believe they are starting to come around. And if they can protect fields at all, because you know you will see some pressure from the Steeler D, they have 
have 19 sacks to 7% adjusted sack rate, one of the better PFF line grades on defense. But the Steeler offense is kind of anemic as well. Harris gets force-fed the ball, but it doesn't make the run game any good. Check out the Steeler run stats. 3.57 adjusted line yards, 23 attempts for 86 yards, 3.5 running back yards per carry. The Bears defense is not bad. They have been gotten to a little bit on the ground, but they're more explosive runners. I don't really see Harris as that kind of player. The Bears pass D is really, really good. They get to the quarterback a ton, 21 times with an 8% adjusted sack rate. They allow 31 attempts, only 20 completions, only 230 yards per game. They're extremely tough on quarterbacks, extremely tough on tight ends, extremely tough on running backs as well. So here we have a situation where, no, I don't have this one as a Bears blowout, but I really don't like the Steelers, and I just think this one is a misprice, especially when you start doing the math on the spread versus the money line. For $36 a point on a team that I'm seeing on the upswing against a team that struggles on offense, that's about as good as you're going to do for a plus 255, people. So that one is just that simple for me. If I can't sell you on the money line, I do like the plus seven, but I wouldn't be laying heavy wood on it. I want to bring up the player props real quick. Man, these props are becoming very, very difficult. The books out there, I'm looking at DraftKings, are getting extremely tight, extremely sharp. They're pulling the reins back because a lot of sharp players are beating them up on early posts, and that's kind of gone the way of the dodo. But I do think I have a couple here for you. Okay, one that I have for sure that I know I like. Let's take a look at Darnell Mooney. His reception prop is over three and a half and it's set at standard juice, which is minus 110. People be careful with these props. Sometimes you'll see a number you like, but it's posted at minus 150 or minus 170. I don't, I don't know, man. I understand probability and I get that your model could say, but this is way more likely than that. In my experience, paying 170 juice is exactly how to get in trouble. So let's look at Darnell Mooney over three and a half minus 110 to the game log we go. Now this isn't the best place to finish your work, but it is my favorite place to start it. Let's check it out. Darnell Mooney, five catches in week one, six catches in week two, five catches in week four, five catches in week six, six catches in week eight. So that's one, two, three, four, five of eight in the other games he had one, two, and three. So we've got a majority hit on it. Let's go over to my triple slash. This is where I like to do my prop work. Remember people, I'm coming from baseball and one of the best lessons I got for you is input greater than sign output. Give me the input stats and not the output stats, particularly in the NFL. Darnell Mooney leading the team in target share at 27 and a half, leading the team in air percentage at 36 and a half, and he's right behind A-Rob for the A-dot lead at 11 and a half. You're looking for 20% target, 24% air percentage, and a double-digit A-dot. Mooney clears that bar with ease. I mean, listen, I understand the Steeler D is pretty good. Steeler pass D, as I've mentioned, only 23 completions allowed, only 240 yards. Those are not great, but we're not even talking about tons of yards and tons of completions. We're talking about the number one receiver getting four catches, and we don't care how deep the targets are. So I really like Darnell Mooney to go over three and a half. Give me that one. We may really get that one early. I wouldn't be surprised if we're posting emojis before the fourth quarter even begins. So, all right, everybody, that's where we're at. You got the review. I went over our money line plays. Our DFS plays did pretty well, but sadly and sorry enough, I walked into some injuries, loving Zeke and loving Chase Edmonds so much. Those guys got hurt, unless you were really off the beaten path. Tough to get paid in DFS this weekend, but listen, those
those things happen and also why it's very important to pace yourself as far as risk management just because you have a really good feeling about the board doesn't mean you're taking down the gpp we mentioned the variance we mentioned the injuries being you know part of the variance but those things will derail a lineup in a blink it's also why i kind of like playing things like jock market where i had the same players but instead of not winning anything i broke even because i did have a couple of hits devonta smith was on the list you know guys like that that i was getting cheap and was able to turn a profit on so i think that'll do it for today's show 25 minutes where i like to cap this one thank you everybody for sticking around and picking up what we're putting down so remember follow me at john legaza on twitter also my friend and host your pal matt williams at m-a-t-t-w-i-7-7-i-a-m-s please rate review and subscribe it really means so much i work extremely hard at this and it only takes you a few seconds and won't cost you a dime and like my mama always said if it's free it's for me so tonight everybody enjoy your game enjoy the day when we're done with the book enjoy that pay i'll see you tomorrow we're gonna go over the entire injury report every single team with the subsequent moves to be made for your waiver wire ads everybody hope you enjoyed the daily blitz football pod peace